You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Girls lost a shoe going up uh, at the wedding. That was, that's what that reminded me of. All right, uh, let's keep our Bibles out here as we look into uh, the book of Mark. And we are out of stewardship month, so this is not a stewardship message, though it could be applied. Uh, but here, as we look at this passage of Scripture, uh, we see a lady, we see an event of someone who has brought something to the Savior. Let's look again at this passage here in Mark 14, verse number 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And wheresoever uh, ye may, whensoever ye will, ye may do to them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She is a Come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, whosoever, uh, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of, of for a memorial of her. So here this woman, uh, she, has, uh, she has done something, and the Lord is giving her uh, a pat on the back, if you would, uh, but not everybody was patting her on the back. Uh, it was not that everybody was happy uh, with what went on. And this woman, what we know is she was worshiping God. You know, everybody doesn't understand worship. Not everybody understands why you would worship the Lord, why you would give Him your life, why you would give Him your time. Why would you give Him a Wednesday night? Why would you give Him a Sunday morning and a Sunday evening? Why would you give Him uh, of your resources? Why would you uh, uh, volunteer time and, uh, and labor and come and work uh, for the Lord? Why, why would you do that? Uh, for, for somebody who is saved and, and loves the Lord uh, and has a heart uh, to please Him, him, uh, there is a desire to worship God. There is a desire to, to honor Him with our life. And our life then encompasses every aspect of the things that we do in our life. And so uh, the Lord made a statement. He said uh, she had done what she could. She had done what she could. Tonight I want to speak to you on that subject. She did what she could. She did what she could. You know, you and I are not expected to do something that we cannot do, but we are expected to do what we can do. We don't all have the same giftings. We don't all have the same talents. We don't all have the same abilities or even opportunities. But we can do something. And when it comes to worshiping God, I want to be able to hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or to say, 
He did what he could. He did what he could. And let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd bless now these next few moments and, and just help us this evening. Give us insight into our own lives. May the Spirit of God just reveal, uh, Lord, ourself to ourself, not to anybody else. Uh, but Lord, help us to just draw a little picture or a little bit of circle around ourself. And, and may we just be honest with ourselves and, and what uh, we are doing for you and whether or not we are doing what we can or whether we have a lot of work to do or some work to do. And I pray that you would help us all to grow, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. I was thinking about uh, this passage of Scripture, and, uh, and here when we look at this uh, event, uh, we find here that this worship that this woman was offering, uh, it had several aspects to it, and we're just going to look at four of them tonight. But I want you to see that worship, number one, it involved a choice. It involved a choice. Nobody was forcing this woman to do anything. When we think about uh, the giving, what she gave, she had an alabaster box that was full of, uh, uh, full of ointment or spikenard, very precious. Now, an alabaster box, it was, a, it was a box. It's a gypsum box, if you would. It is a box that is, uh, uh, we make drywall out of gypsum. It's called gypsum board or drywall. And so it is uh, the powder that it is taken from is the same mineral composite uh, that this box was made out of. So it was a very soft rock, if you would, that they could mold and make. We, we grind it up and turn it into uh, sheetrock and plaster and things like that. But, uh, so there's this box, but the box itself did not have a lot of value to it, but what was inside of it did. Uh, it says that it was uh, about uh, 300 pennyworth uh, and pence. And so a pence was a day's wage. So if, if you are uh, making $20 an hour, uh, and, you know, that would, that would work, th- so uh, 300 days at your day's wage, uh, it, would, it would work out to uh, $48,000. So this was not a this was not an offering or a gift that was an expected gift. This was something if you made 15 bucks an hour it's $36,000. So so here we're we're not looking at something that was just a a little bit more than the tithe or a little bit more than a normal offering. We're talking about something that uh, was a very significant gift. This was a gift that was an offering and it was a choice. There was no expectation. You know, when we look at giving and we think about uh, the, the uh, expectations, God does have expectations. He has given us the basis, uh, the structure of our giving. It starts with the tithe, uh, but that is just the basic. That is just the, the flat bottom. And then from there you grow and your grace giving is up and above. Uh, but it is not disregarding the other, but the grace giving is beyond what the tithe was. Now, now here when we look at 
this offering, this woman, uh, she came to the Savior and she brought something to him that it was just a choice. It was a decision that she made. She wanted to give the Lord something valuable uh, in her own life. And so verse 3, and being in Bethany in the house of uh, Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on her head. So there there was nothing required here of this woman. There was, there was no obligation. It was just a choice. It was a choice. I was thinking about an illustration that I heard, and uh, that it was a pastor had told this uh, illustration, and it was from a church, and uh, I believe it was in the, uh, in the Iowa or yeah, I think it was in Iowa, uh, and, and uh, anyway, he was telling a story of, of their church, and the church was just in a financial wreck. They were, uh, they were very, uh, in a very bad place financially, and they needed, uh, they needed some resources, and uh, they needed somebody uh, to be the treasurer and sort of head all of that up, but nobody wanted to be the treasurer. Who wants to sign up for something when they say, uh, uh, wh- why don't we have any money? Uh, it's it's the treasurer's fault, you know, and so nobody wanted to uh, to fill that that uh, position there of being the treasurer, and so uh, they were just desperate to get somebody to come in and start helping with the finances. And uh, finally, the pastor went to one of the businessmen in the church, uh, the man that owned the grain elevator uh, there in that uh, community, and uh, he went to him and he said, "Listen," he said, uh, "Will will you take on this being the treasurer?" And the man looked back to the pastor, and the pastor said. You know, you've got, you've, you've got business sense, uh, you own a business, so you understand money, uh, so uh, you, you would probably do a good job at this. And, and he said, okay, he says, I will take it under two, uh, two conditions. Number one, uh, we do not have a business meeting for a year. The pastor sort of shook his head and, uh, okay, what's the second one? He said, and you cannot ask me about the money for a year. And the people were like, well, we trust this guy. I don't know. But they were so desperate, they said, okay, we'll agree to those terms. And the, the man goes through, and, and uh, after about a month, all of a sudden, church had brand new songbooks. The carpet was all replaced inside the auditorium. They put new pews in. And uh, everybody's looking around. They're saying, well, where'd the money go? Can't ask me about the money. And okay, okay. And about uh, two months, two months later, all of a sudden, now the the roof on the church needed to be done, and they put a whole new roof up on top of the church, and uh, they took on a couple more missionaries, and people came, and they're looking around. It's like, what's going on here? I mean, uh, where's this money come? You can't say anything about the money. And so it went on, and there was money that was coming in, and money was going out, and, uh, and the churches uh, got all these things happening, and uh, the parking lot was paved, and, and all of these events were going on, and finally a year is over. And with the uh, year being over, the, uh, the uh, pastor said, okay, well, we're going to have a business meeting. And he said, the church was packed. Everybody wanted to know, where's all this money coming from? And so they uh, had this business meeting, and uh, the, the treasurer gets up, and, and he says, okay, tonight I'm going to tell you where the money came from. He said, it came from you. 
And everybody's looking at him like, what? What What do you mean? He said, I know all of you businessmen. I know all of you men. I know all your farms. You bring all your grain to me. He said, uh, uh, you brought all your grain to me, and I took 10% out before I paid you. And I gave it to the church. And he said, I want you to know there's two things that happen. Number one, uh, number one was that the tithe is enough. He said, number two, you didn't even miss it. Now, he probably got in a little bit of trouble for, for doing that or could have gotten a little bit of trouble. But the reality is, this woman, she was, she was given an offering. There was no obligation. There was no tithe. There was no expectation. Nobody was expecting her to do any of this. And by choice, though, she wanted to do something for the Lord. She wanted to give the Lord her very best. And so uh, we see, first of all, this worship, it involved a choice. Secondly, this worship involved a cost. And being in Bethany, the house of Simon, uh, so here we see uh, it was an ointment of spikenard, very precious. And I've already told you the dollar amount of that. Uh, it, was, it was a very costly uh, uh, offering here when she was worshiping God. Here she was pouring this over the Savior's head. Uh, she was anointing him uh, for his burial. And, and there was nothing too good for the Lord. And, and here she was giving to God. And it was just an outpouring of her heart. You know, there's a cost to worshiping the Lord. You know, we can't worship the Lord on spare change and spare time and pocket change. You know, when we have a love for the Lord, there's going to be a cost to it. There's going to be a cost. It will cost uh, our, our life. Here, this woman, uh, there, was a, there was a cost. It was a cost not just financially. Uh, this woman put herself in a place where she could give the Lord something, where she could do something for him. And, and there's a cost for that, whether it's in our time, whether it's in our, our, our possessions or, or whatever it is, though. But this woman, her worship, there was a cost to that worship. Secondly, there was a course of action. This was not something that she just thought of the last second. It wasn't like, oh yeah, I forgot I got to pay that bill. Let me go online and shoot that payment over. It wasn't like uh, a last minute, oh, I forgot somebody's birthday, uh, somebody's birthday. So uh, you go online and you, you order a gift card and you have it emailed to them so it shows up. Anybody besides me done that? All right. Uh, And you know, uh, this was not a last minute event. This was something that she had been thinking about. Uh, She had had known, she had to find out where the Lord was going to be. She had to plan. Uh, She had to take what she had and bring it. This was a thought out event. When she got to the Savior, she she broke this box and she poured it over his head. I mean, what what thinking was here? There There was some some some, uh, forethought that went into this worship. And, you know, you and I, we should be thinking about our worship of the Lord. It shouldn't just be that whatever happens, happens. We We should come to church with a heart to worship the Lord. 
We should open up our Bible with a, with a plan to worship the Lord. Uh, we should come before the Savior in prayer uh, with a desire to worship Him. Uh, so there came the woman. Uh, she broke the box. Uh, she poured it on His head. You see, she came prepared. She came with a purpose. She came with a plan to worship God. And you know, you and I, we need to, to come before the Lord, and our worship should be something that we think about. It should not just be spontaneous. It shouldn't just be a result of somebody else is doing something, so now that, that, that incites or encourages me to do something. It ought to be that we have, we have a desire in our own life to worship the Lord. That we want to bring something to Him. That we want to worship Him. Uh, so maybe when we're, we're thinking about coming to church tonight, Lord, uh, I'm looking forward to singing to you tonight. I'm looking forward to, to praising you tonight. I'm looking forward to uh, just honoring you. Uh, help me to learn from your word. Just teach me how to worship you. You see, this was a purposeful action of worship. And you and I, we need to have a purposeful action of worship in our life. Uh, she was involved in this worship, but this, this worship, uh, there was a planned course of action. But in this worship... Not only did it involve a choice, not only did it involve a cost, not only did it involve a course of action, fourthly, it involved criticism. It involved criticism. Here she is worshiping the Lord. You know, they're at Simon's house. It's the disciples that are there. Who's complaining? It wasn't the world. It was the ones that were supposed to be spiritual. It was the ones that should have been worshiping the Lord. You know what? People that don't worship don't understand worship. Matter of fact, not only do people that don't understand worship or don't worship, not only do they not understand it, they don't like it. It makes them uncomfortable. You know what, our, uh, those that are in the special music ministry, and I'm sitting over here, and, and I'm, I'm praising the Lord, I'm enjoying it, and some of you out there just enjoying the music and praising the Lord, some people look around like, man, what's wrong with these people? They don't understand it. They, they, they do not have that connection. And I'm not saying that, uh, that it is comfortable for everybody to praise the Lord in public. I, I know that that's, that's something that isn't a, it isn't something that is naturally comfortable. But you know what? It ought to become that way. 
We, we ought to be growing in our worship. Praise the Lord should not be, uh, should not be uh, something that does not often come to your lips. It should be something that is uh, just normal. Uh, talking about praising the Lord and amen and glory to God. That, that ought to just be a normal uh, word and phrase that comes off the tip of the tongue of a believer. Why? Because we are worshiping. And other people that do not worship, they do not understand the words of worship are foreign to some people. She had done what she could. Are we doing what we can? So, Pastor, I am just not the, the, the outgoing vocal person. Yeah, let's go, let's go watch a basketball game together. Let, let's, go, let's go watch a football game and tell me that you are not vocal. It's just what we are vocal about. You see, uh, there, there ought to be worship there, but there is criticism. Uh, verse number 4 and 5, it says, And there were some that had indignation with them. Now, wait a second here. We're talking about the disciples. They had indignation. They were mad. They were upset that this woman was worshiping the Lord. That they had, he had, uh, she had given uh, this offering to him and anointed his head uh, with this ointment. It says in verse 5, For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. Listen, if they don't care about worship, they don't care about the poor. It's all a facade. You know, when somebody doesn't like worship, somebody doesn't like the praise in the Lord, uh, you know, somebody gets upset about things of God, the things of God, somebody gets upset about uh, serving the Lord, uh, and they start to act so spiritual, it doesn't take that long for you to figure out that it's a farce, if you're spiritual. You know, if... If they're, not, if they're not out serving the Lord, what makes you think that they really do care about the poor? How many people are they telling about Jesus? You see, it can, it, these words can start flowing off of the tongue and all of a sudden these, these high-sounding ideas can be right there. But if they are doing nothing, it is not real. And here, these individuals who were supposed to be spiritual, we're talking about the disciples. They had indignation. We're talking about they were at Simon's house. They were in the house. So how many people do you think that, I mean, you have the 12 apostles and whoever else was in that household and the Savior. So I doubt that they had many more people in the house than just the apostles. So, so here you have, uh, you have this event. Uh, what happens? They become critical, uh, indignation within themselves and said, Why? So we see that the critic starts to show themselves. You know, be careful. Number one, you don't want to be a critic. 
I don't want to be a critic. But I definitely don't want to be influenced by a critic either. You know what? Some critics have a good way of making out as though they are spiritual. We have to be aware, we have to be aware of that. We have to understand here. Uh, uh, they said, why was this waste of ointment made? Let me tell you something. You can't do anything for the Savior that's a waste. You do anything for the Lord, there's no waste. You, can, you and I could never do enough for the Savior, let alone do something and say, oh man, that was just a waste. I shouldn't have done that. There's no waste. You can't ever uh, give too much to the Lord. And so here they were looking at it and they were saying this is a waste. Uh, they were, uh, this, the critics, they are the outward. They are the obnoxious. They are the, uh, they are the ones that are, that are uh, verbalizing it. They said they had the indignation in their heart and now it's coming out. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. He say, well, well, you know, they were, they were just, uh, just a bad day. What's, what comes out was already in here. And here, uh, the, the critic was there. And you know what? For us, when we look at it, we should see how obvious it is. When somebody starts to criticize, especially something done for the Savior, we should, we should be aware. We should be discerning. God bless you, buddy. We ought to be discerning enough to, to see uh, that, uh, that it, it is just uh, them being critical. So, uh, so the, the individuals here, uh, there, was, there, was, uh, uh, there was criticism that came. So you see the critic, then you see the complacent. Uh, the complacent are, are those that were just content. They were just, okay, whatever's going on. You know, usually those are, if we're not careful, when we become complacent, we become the one to listen to the critic. And it won't take long before we are the critic. They, they are just content with where, where they are. They're, they're happy if something happens, wonderful. They're happy if nothing happens. They are just content with whatever takes place. They're happy just not to be disturbed. You know what? Doing something for God is not going to keep us comfortable. There is going to be a push. All of us are going to be challenged in our faith. Uh, these individuals, the complacent, they're usually not a problem, but they're not a help. They're not a critic, but they're also not an advocate. And, and, and we, we just have to make sure that we're not becoming complacent in our own Christian life. Uh, we want to be uh, moving forward. Uh, so we see the critic. We see the complacent, uh, the complainers. It said, for it might have been sold for more than three. 300 pence and given to the poor. Uh, these, were, these people, they just weren't happy with whatever went on. I mean, the worship for the Lord, uh, but that didn't make them happy. Uh, the not giving it to the poor, that didn't make them happy. And so uh, these individuals, they just started looking for problems. So, so here we see the critics. 
But this worship, not only did it involve uh, the, 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 uh, uh, it involved the choice, it involved the cost, it involved a course of action, it involved uh, criticism, it also involved a commendation. You know, here this woman, she did something for the Lord, and the only person that mattered appreciated it. You know, one of these days, we're going to see the Savior. At that moment, it doesn't matter whether or not somebody complained or didn't complain. It doesn't matter whether or not uh, they, uh, somebody was for us or against us. Uh, none of that matters. One day, we're going we're gonna to see the Savior. And the one that she was worshiping was pleased with what she did. You know, he's the only one that we have to please. That's it. You don't have to please the pastor. You don't have to please the staff. You don't have to please somebody else when it comes to worshiping our Savior. The only one you and I are responsible to please is him. And, and we ought to seek to please him. Uh, here he said in verse number six, and Jesus said, let her alone. Can you imagine being one of the disciples that's complaining? Another one that's complacent? Another one that's critical? And here she is doing something good, and they start tearing her apart. And it could have been the Lord said it like, let her alone. Or it could have been, let her alone! I'm not sure which one it was, but what I do know is he stood up for. He was pleased, and this commendation come, and he said, for ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do, uh, to, do them good, but me ye have not always. You know, we only have a window of life. To worship God. We've just got now. When I was younger, my parents got married, and I remember thinking, man, they're old. I remember when my dad hit 30, he thought life was over. I mean, he hit that, it was like this wall. All of a sudden now my life is over. I'm 30 years old. And, and he really had a struggle with that, uh, that time frame. Uh, you know, uh, but one of these days we start, we start looking and saying, how much time do I have left? I've got right now. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You know, three score and ten, it comes and goes very quickly. You know, we, we look at the Savior here, and he said, listen, this woman, she had done what she could. She had this window of opportunity that I would be in her life, that I would be here to where she could do something, and she took advantage of it. You and I don't know if we have a tomorrow. So I've got to worship him today. 
that window of life, it, it is, it's a small window, and we don't know how broad it's going to be. We don't know how long we're going to live. Uh, we may uh, live a long life. Uh, the Lord may come back tonight, or maybe our last breath will be taken tonight. We don't know when that time is going to come. But the Lord here, he said, Verily I say unto you, uh, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken for a memorial of her. So here that woman now has been with the Savior for over 2,000 years. You know what's happening? She's, she is getting a reward to her account tonight because for wherever this gospel is preached this truth is preached it shall be done for a memorial of her her good deed is still gaining interest think about a return on investment that's the kind of investment I want I want a return on investment that isn't just going to be for right now. I want a return on investment that's going to last for eternity. And this woman here, she is in heaven and she is still gaining interest on her investment, uh, worshiping the Lord. And she is being, uh, there is a memorial. She is remembered for this good deed that she had done for the Savior, this worship that she had done. And the Lord said, listen, I'm commending that. We don't see him commending somebody because of how much money they have in the bank account. We don't see a commendation because of how high somebody climbs on a corporate ladder. We don't see a commendation in the scripture for a lot of things that we hold dear. But here, when it comes to worship, this woman, her love for the Savior, her actions just of worshiping him, the Lord said, that's what I want. That's what I want. Now, I don't have a thing of ointment that's worth $48,000. But what I do have, I should honor him with it. I don't have the ability to go to Simon's house but I do have the ability to go to God's house. I don't have the ability to bring somebody and point them to Jesus the way the disciples did, uh, the way Philip was able uh, to bring uh, the Ethiopian unit. Uh, I, I don't have that ability like Andrew to bring Peter to the Savior. Uh, there are some things that I cannot do, but I can do what I can. She had done what she could. And you and I, we have a unique set of opportunities that God has given us in our life. Are we using them to show our love, our worship? Are others able to see what worship looks like in us? Here these disciples, they got to see it. Now, we're pretty hard on them, but every one of these disciples ended up giving their life as a martyr. 
Eventually, they not only gave their life, their occupation, their days, they also sacrificed their very life for the Savior. Now, in these days, as Americans, we are not experiencing that kind of persecution. But all around the world, there are people that are still giving their life for the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to to give what we cannot. We are not expected to do something we are unable to. But we are expected to do what we can. She hath done what she could. Let's worship the Lord in our lives. Let's take the opportunities God has given to us and let's truly worship Him. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.